Rough Trade are giving away a free album exclusively to 101 part-time jobs listeners. That's you. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade album of the month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with exclusive bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code 101POD this March and you'll get the Rough Trade Album of the Month exclusive pressing of Masterpiece's debut, How to Make a Masterpiece, on green and yellow swell vinyl, completely free of charge. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in-store, and exclusive access to sold-out Rough Trade events. Don't want Album of the Month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using 101POD and you'll still get the first month free. So don't hang around. This offer is only available in March and limited to the first 150 signups. Go to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the voucher code 101POD. That's 101POD and claim your first month free. This offer is available to UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads. And artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, where I speak to bands about the other jobs they've done. And I've got Frank Lees from Press Club, Melbourne, Australia's Press Club, with me here. And he's going to tell us about the jobs he's had, including one at a bar where no one ever came into, one working with kids doing history reenactments, and a couple of other brilliant stories. It's Hassle Records' 15th anniversary this month, and they're reissuing Late Teens, originally out in 2019, and they're releasing that on Mint and Crystal Clear Half and Half Vinyl. Pre-order that now through Hassle's website. East London's Signature Brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. They've brewed beers with the likes of Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, a recently sports team. And if you go onto their website, if you live in the UK and want to buy some of their beers, go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, and use the voucher code 101podcast at checkout and get 10% off. All right, here's Frank Lees from Press Club. Enjoy it. Go well. Cheers. It's funny, isn't it? It's like, it's funny that question when people ask you, you know, what do you do? Because it's, it's a lot more complicated than just like, oh yeah, I worked out at the bank or something like that. It's like, I mean, I always say I'm a musician, right? Obviously there's not heaps of money in that. So people are, are, are generally asking like, oh yeah, and what, what else, you know, what else do you do? Or, or, or sometimes they just assume that that's, that's enough to bring in the, the bills, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of, a, it's kind of always a bit of an awkward moment you know like i've I've grown more com- comfortable with it as i've grown older but um it is strange that, that that you know what do you do 
you know, what do you do? You speak, you speak to some people sometimes and, you know, you say to them, what do you do? And they almost get like offended. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know that you know that reaction someone tweeted the other day about how you know in britain at least there's this kind of thing where you, you shouldn't be too proud about working hard do you know what i mean no one like no mm. one likes hearing about how someone else has worked so hard which is when you think about it that's mad like what else are we supposed to do just like half-ass it the whole time like crap shoot it you know and just like phone it in up for the for our whole lives yeah i mean it's 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 a difficult space isn't it you know like sometimes that's that's what people do though you know like they go to work they can't count down the minutes until they can leave work and you know they put in you know just as much effort as they need to and you know like i kind of i kind of get that you know that it sounds like a nightmare to be honest but i i if if you can deal with it you know putting in that putting in that much time and and not really engaging um you know, you live your life outside of those hours, I suppose. For real. And I find that interesting when it's applied to being in bands, because especially punk rock bands, you don't look like you're trying too much, you know, which yeah. is mad to me. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You, you, you put a lot of work into seeming like you're not trying too hard, but <laughs> I mean, but that's, I mean, you know, do it yourself and, and, you know, getting things done without anybody else's help is is a big part of the punk rock ethos, I think. So I don't really have too much of a problem of people seeing us, you know, work. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's sort of, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be that, that sort of glissy, you know, like glamorous sort of, you don't want to put on, put, put across the wrong vibe, you know? Right. And I think it's fascinating. Like, so, you know, when that, when that boils down to things you actually do, say you're getting a photo of, of your band, you know, you might have a photographer friend and the photos come out really glissy, you know, yeah. they come out really kind of like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like poppy or something like this, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because that, that's always going to precede people's opinions of you. I know. I know. Photo shoots as a band is just funny in the, in the first place, man. Like, it's like, you know, like trying to explain to somebody who's not in a band, like what a photo shoot is like, or someone who, who doesn't do photo shoots, you know, trying to explain oh, to them what a photo shoot is like. It's like, <laughs> especially like you go to like a location photo shoot, like, you know, that classic thing, like you go to like a, a park or something or like, you know, a, like, you know, something cool in the local area and there are just people walking past, you know, that vibe. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, what an absolute idiot i must look like like look what, what a try hard i am i mean videos are here. just as bad right yeah oh man doing it yeah yeah they are they are i mean we <laughs> videos are, uh, are maybe the hardest part about being in a band i think you've got some great videos as well thank you yeah yeah i mean we've we've worked hard at it like i said you know um but it's funny. The best videos tend to be the ones that you kind of just fall, fall into, you know? hundred um, percent. I think there is something to say for like those accidents that just work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, we did this, the very first video we did for our very first single, um, it's called Headwreck and it's this really cool. Yeah, great song. Yeah. And, and the video is, is maybe still one of our favorite videos, if not my favorite yeah. video of ours, where yeah, 100%. it's all one, it's all one continuous shot. Hmm. And it was our mate um, Nick uh, Nick Manuel, who is in is a musician and he does um, video stuff. He and photography too. He he kind of came. He was in the studio with us when we were recording and came up with this idea as just like just you know just like a one continuous shot. Um, and it was just this sort of thing where it's like, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. And then we just booked in the the place and then we just did it a couple of weeks after recording, and it was um great you know perfect excellent and straightforward by the sounds of it and there's there's something to say for him being around when you were recording it and when it was coming together and you know having that kind of that energy kind of shared between you at that time yeah exactly yeah and you know that was that was what was all part of it you know that was that was what made the video what it was it must be hard when you do something like that and it's like pretty straightforward you know what you're doing it comes together quickly and it comes together well because mm. that's not going to happen every time 
It's a nightmare. That's why, I'm, that's why I say, man, like trying to do videos, like trying to get videos together for your song, it's so important because mm. it's what people engage with the most almost now is is video, you know, video content, moving picture. So you need that to go with your music, but it's such a headache to try and get a video together, man. Like that's the part where what we were talking about before, where we were saying, you know, you don't want to give across the wrong image. That's the moment where it's easiest to put across the wrong vibe when, Mass- you, when, when you're making a video. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like it's always, a, I mean, we're, we're writing music now for an album that we'll hopefully record, you know, when we can get back together. Um, and, you know, just the, in the back of my mind, I know we're going to have to do some videos for these songs. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's just that worry in the back of my head like i know it's i know it's going to come up and it's going to be such a drainer when it happens but music is so symbiotic to online content now isn't it absolutely like you can't ignore it and you know i feel like well you've either got to enjoy it or just not do it you know and i wonder if you know is is that a decision for you yeah yeah it's easy to it's easy to rationalize it that way but then when you've got three other people who all have ideas for what the video should look like. And then, you know, maybe bringing on a, a, a someone to film it and to, and to sort of, you know, yeah. inject their personality into it as well. Um, it just seems to be it just, just for us, it just seems to be just a, just a constant headache. You know, the best ones though, we, we've, that being said, we did this, we did this video for behave, um, which is quite a recent single where we just took um fuck what is it i think i think it's just some footage of um ian's dad from the 70s ian's our bass player his dad in the 70s um some home video and then some live footage of ours and then we just mashed them on top of each other and you know it was just it, we didn't have to actually film anything we were just using already existing footage uh we we i think we filmed a few shots of nat like singing just to tie it together and again it all came together and that was like one of my favorite clips. Maybe it's one right. of my favorite clips because I, we didn't have to actually put too much, um, you know, thought into like a story or a narrative for it. Yeah. And, and that makes me wonder. I mean, it's come up quite a few times of um, on the conversations I've had with people on this podcast where it just takes, it takes time. And I'm talking years to, to figure out what works for you and to figure out what, what, what you like and, you know, the, the aesthetics that you that you want to put across that that all takes so much time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's yeah, it does, it does, and and I think, I think we were really lucky when we first started this band, in that we had just we we'd, we'd all just sort of come out of other long term band, um, you know, arrangements, and when we came together, we had that time, you know, we had no gigs booked and we specifically didn't book any gigs to just write music and try and, and talk about what we think a good, what we think a good band would do and would be. And those ideas that we came up with at the time have really carried through, you know, like that, those, those foundational um, concepts are still, you know, we still go back to that sort of stuff. And it was all about, um, you know, trying to be as naturalistic as possible. You, you know, try not to play into the game as much as as much as we had in the past. You know, the music Which is easy game. to do, easy to slip into that. Oh man, oh man, and 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 you know, like try and like you see it. I don't know how often you see it in in other countries because I mean we're so insular here in Australia. But you see bands like writing music for like like writing music and then getting producers in to try and fit into a particular sound um for triple j or i wasn't going to say it but you did uh yeah. you know it's it's almost sacrilege to to start to, to start ragging on triple j here but it's true man triple j is like it, it really is cornered the market on independent bands mm. like us and if you don't play into that sound and that um that vibe then you know you can get left behind i spent some time in australia and it was funny seeing the bands that we were playing with like 
you know, if you get on Triple J a few times. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you know, a lot of doors open up. You know, you, you, if you get like played on that station, you do get um, gigs and stuff. What would you recommend to listen to? It, like, it, like where, do, would you say that like radio are a way of finding um, good music in, in- 100% six music on BBC. So Steve Lamack. Yep. Um, he, you know, he was the guy that like broke like all, like way more even bands that's like worth us mentioning here. Like going back to Manic Street Preachers and even like Coldplay, you know, he was the guy going to their first gigs and receiving their first demos. He's a legend. He like, he played, he's played like a bunch of us and our friends bands over the years. And he's amazing to listen to because, you know, a, a, as far as radio goes, it's just about the music and, and he's, he's, he's chatting to people and having a laugh. I would say six music, six music is six the place music. that, yeah. Um, right, but, cool. radio, but radio one is is like playing a lot more guitar bands they've got someone called jack saunders doing the indie show and he's playing a lot of great new stuff you know you do get these 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 moments and you know because it's i don't know i was interviewing someone yesterday and i was like wasn't 2005 such a golden time for music and for us it it was right but like mm-hmm. the world has to keep on going and we have <laughs> to we have to find out for ourselves you know what i mean like i don't want to sit around and be like you know grumpy about it like what's yeah. the point of that yeah man like what's happening are we are we just getting old is it is are we just out of the (laughs) loop you know i think so i think so so you mentioned that like press club started after you know a bunch of your old bands sort of stopped or became inactive that must have been such a great time to have that kind of non-pressure especially with the internet now you know not having to sort of make a an account straight away and give yourselves time to well as you said kind of figure out what you want to do yeah it was. It was really important, and um, it's funny. You know, we were we were planning on having a third album written and recorded um, by like April this year, and obviously wow. that that hasn't that's happened. That's quick. That's quick. That's like that's footloose, yeah. man. That's quick feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but um, that hasn't happened, obviously. And I think where at least I am just so grateful that we've had the time yet again to um, really sit back and think about things again, you know, like, because this is the first time really that we've gone this long without playing a gig um, and without, um, you know, rehearsing or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's been such a great time of, um, you know, just talking um, over zoom and just thinking about what, what it is that we want to, do going forward yeah. you know and like because because i mean as a musician you don't want to admit it but every once in a while you go do i want to be doing this do i want to spend like my like every single weekend going to other cities and playing gigs do i want to like be you know be leaving my family and friends like and mm. going to europe two or three times a year like is this is this actually giving me joy because sometimes it certainly doesn't mm. um and this time that we've had where we haven't been able to do that stuff has, you know, reminded me just how much I love it, you know, and just what right. a big part of my life it is. Yeah, totally. I think you can, it's, it's, you know, from my experience, it's quite easy to just kind of, when you're all wrapped up in it, you know, you can't, everything, it's pretty easy to feel like numb. Do you know what I mean? You're not even sure like what you're doing, you know, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. It feels like sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure everybody gets like that, you know? Yeah. 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 But it's harder when you, when you're doing something and you like playing music, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't bring in a lot of money into your life and you're spending lots of time doing it. You know, right. it takes up a lot of time, but it doesn't, right. it doesn't really, it's not that profitable. Um, <laughs> certainly not for us. And so, you know, that there is some pretty big questions to ask yourself there. What do you do aside from the band? Okay, that's what this is all about, isn't it? Um, yeah, but mo- it, but honestly, I like sometimes I'll have whole episodes, Frank, where I even forget to ask it. You know, even <laughs> yeah. that is just an excuse for me to chat to bands that I like. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. I, I mean, man, I've had such a the reason why um, I put my hand up to do this one because when I thought about it, I was like, far out, man. I've I've I mean, I've never had like a like a like an actual like like salary job. I've never had like a part-time or full-time job. I've always mm. worked casually. Great. Um, right at this moment, I'm not working at all because 
um, this lockdown thing in Melbourne is pretty serious and I'm getting money through um, my business, the band business through the government. Yeah, right. Like so program. I want to ask you about that in a bit, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we can talk about it now if you want. We can go back to my job, my, my jobs in the past later. Well, how? Yeah. So how does that work then? Because I've I've interviewed the Beths. And okay. Is it is it a pretty similar situation? I don't know what's going on in New Zealand, but in in Australia, there's like a, I mean, they've they've doubled, um, you know, like unemployment benefits, um, and then they've also done this like extra thing where it's called JobKeeper and they pay businesses to continue paying their staff even if the money's not coming in. So we've been able to claim through the band this JobKeeper payment. Oh, right. So the JobKeeper applies to you as a... So it works in Australia in the way that, you know, you apply for a... Would you call it a grant? It's... Yeah, it's it's handled. It's not quite a grant. It's a it's it's like a um, it's like a benefit. You know, it's you apply through it. You apply directly to the um, taxation office, and then they and they pay you. Right. And so, how easy was that to to set up and sort of you know how many do you have to release a, a couple of albums and you know sort of <laughs> show that you've toured quite a lot before you can apply for that. No, it was the only the only prerequisite for it was that you had to have a business, obviously, um, and that you made thirty percent less income for for a month. <laughs> it's it's quite complicated. You got to go. You, you go and check out your income for say for March this year, and then you go back to the year before twenty nineteen. And if the income is thirty percent less than it was in March last year, then you qualify. Which is going to happen if you if you've just started your band and you've left you left your old job. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's 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 um, yeah, it was it was it was easy for me to get, but you know, there, I'm sure there's a lot of hoops that um, the that the government is making people jump through that means that some people can't get it. Yeah, of course. I mean, th- things like this, you once you get it, sometimes it's so easy and other, you know, and you hear about for other people, it's so hard, but it happened pretty, pretty quickly for, for press club then. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it's, 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 it's a really good, it's a really good scheme. You know, I think, I think that's one thing the Australian government has done really well is just, they've just been paying people, you know, they haven't been stingy with those benefits and sort of keeping businesses afloat, you know, it's really important. When you got that scheme, did you did that give you like an impetus to be like, okay, let's make let's make a, you know a few albums over the next five ten years. Let's let's do this properly. <laughs> well, I mean, we we're already doing it properly. You know, we, we, it, it, what it meant is that we that we've been able to put a lot more time into the writing aspect. You know, so instead of having, say, we we usually try and write as many ideas before going in and sort of working it out for an album as possible but instead of having like 20 or 30 ideas now we've probably got probably got almost 100 i reckon wow wow yeah that's and, a lot know, isn't it we're gonna whittle that and, and it's quite daunting you know because then we have to whittle all that down to like an album that'll fit on an actual record um, which is interesting because a lot of people will you know have these jobs and they'll have to fit in writing around that yeah. does it put on a bit of extra pressure because you've got all this time um yeah i try not to i try not to give into pressure too much i mean it's it's just it's just a matter of you know i've always kind of been of the mindset of you know if you just put your head if you just go through the steps of getting things done then they'll get done you know so right keep your head down yeah, just keep your head down and keep working. You know, that's that's how you get to the gold is just by writing hours and hours of shit until yeah. you finally find one little nugget in there. You go, oh, wow, this is actually a really good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's always been our writing process. It's just that now we've got more, more, more shit to, you know, sift through. And when you've got that scheme, you, you can still work other jobs and the, the scheme allows for that? Yeah, it's like you can do casual work. Um, you know, man, like I actually got a job a couple of months ago in like a big warehouse. And this, but just like as this job keeper payment started rolling in, 
And I was just like, I fucking hate this, you know? And that was probably the first time in my life. I, I worked there for two days. I worked there Thursday. I worked there Wednesday, Thursday. And by the end, of, on the start of Thursday, I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to quit this job pretty soon. I'll make it to the end of the week. And then by the end of Thursday, I was like, I'm not fucking coming. I'm not spending another minute of my life in this place. What was um, the vibe then? Uh, it was, you know, it was, the vibe was like, the vibe was like, all right, it was pretty cool. Like, you know, very dry warehouse environment. You know, they were dealing with um, like, uh, like electronic equipment coming in and like sorting through it and scanning barcodes and like inspecting the equipment to make sure that it wasn't faulty. Um, and, you know, just like eight hours of that, you know, working on like a packaging line, basically not packaging, you know, like a production line, mm-hmm. which I've done before, but this one was just particularly boring and it was just and the vibe there was just so dry and I was just like, fuck, like, it was the first time in my life where I was like, you know what? I don't have to work a job that I fucking hate. Yeah. yeah. Because I've worked heaps of jobs that I've hated in the past and I stuck with them for years and like I hated it and, and, and it, you know, and, and it was awful, you know, it was awful for my, you know, emotional and psychological well-being. So who needs it? I've had a few jobs where I've lasted a few days and people will be like, you know, family or friends will be like, oh, oh, what? You know, you're not supposed to quit, quit a job. Yeah. You're not allowed to quit a job. Yeah. 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 I copped that a bit. And I was just like, I don't, give, I don't give a fuck, man. I, I hated that place. <laughs> and I think you hit, you hit a nail on the head there where, you know, it's, it's maybe it's, it's quite a hard subject to, to bring up and have the, almost confidence to say it sometimes, but you know when something is affecting your your health yep. and your well being. Yep. You can feel it. Yeah. And there's people who there's people who just fight through that, you know, like that was like my um my father in law said to me, you know, when when I when I quit this job, he was like, you know, I I, I worked, you know, 30 years in in a in a place and fucking uh, you know, like I have done all this stuff and I and I fucking hated it. And I was like, yeah, but mm. Like, that's not, is that a good thing? Like, maybe, maybe you're wrong to have done that. Maybe you should have tried to, I didn't say this to him, of course. I thought this to myself, but I'm like, I don't want that for myself. I don't want to work 30 years in a job and fucking hate it the entire time. And I just wonder, like, where does this come from? Like, does it come from this kind of like old British colonial, like strength thing? Like where, where, where does this come from? You know, because it exists. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but, uh, you know, I haven't thought about it too much, but I just fucking, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Fucking I mean, capitalism. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's it. It's, it's, it's capitalism, but it's, you know, it's this, it's also this thing of like, um, you know, companies expecting you to be loyal to them right. when they aren't loyal to you. You know, there's this real, yeah. Most there's this of the time real, not right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never experienced it where a company's looked out more for its employees than it is employees than they are for their bottom line, um, mm-hmm. and it's just you, you know you you do feel that a little bit sometimes you're like oh this is this kind of place this place is kind of looking after me but then you know it'll come down to the crunch you know like a a, a promotion or you know maybe maybe that they're kicking people, you know, they're firing people and, you know, you're just left out in the lurch and you realize, fuck, like I've been like dedicating my time and my, you know, health, my, my, uh, my psychological health to this company. And Mm -hmm. they fucking like, it's, you know, they don't give a fuck. Right. And what about our time here? Do you know I mean? This is like, this is our time on earth as well. You know, you can't, I had a thing yesterday where I had like an onboarding for for a job I'm starting, and I like I emailed them, you know, just asking how the how long the meeting would be, just because I had something to do afterwards, another call, and like I felt bad sending that email. Yeah, you know, I felt bad asking how long this meeting is going to be. Why? Why should I feel fucking bad about that? Yeah, you know, that's I mean, how that's how humans communicate. 
by asking questions, you know, and you shouldn't be scared to ask questions in the workplace. Yeah. And like you're interviewing them just as much as they are interviewing you. You know, if there's one thing I've learned from working a million jobs is that some of them suck. And, you know, like, you know, you know how it gets to that point in the interview where um, they're like, now, do you have any questions for us? What I've started doing now is I go, yeah, what's it like to work at your company? Like what? What's the? What's the? Um. What? What? I use a specific term. I go like, what's the? What's the culture like? Yeah. 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 You know. And yeah. I mean, I've only done it in a couple of interviews recently, but it's like that's the best. You know that then that like the places that I was going for. That's when they started talking. They go, oh, you know, it's great. You know, I hang out with this person and like, uh, mm. you know, yeah. and and it's like, and and you go like, fuck, all right, okay, this this might actually be a cool place to work because that's what you need, right? You need. I feel like I've been thinking about this recently. Like there's like three, maybe more, but there's three main aspects to a good job and that's money, people, and whether or not you like the work you're doing. And I feel like you can get away with like one or if, if a job has one or two of those things, you can, you can get away with not having the third, but you can't, mm. but if a job, if, if you hate what you're doing, you're not getting paid that much and you don't like any of the people you're working with, it's like, don't, it's not a good job. Don't work that job. Quit immediately. That's my, that would be my advice. Right on. Because you're only going to make yourself worse for it. Yeah. I mean, it's a shit job, obviously, you know, like you don't need to, you don't need to do that. You need, you need something, you know, go and get a job shoveling shit with your friends. You know what I mean? It might not pay that much. It, you might not love the work, but you, you can just hang out with your with your mates. And that that's good. That's a good job, I think. And laboring jobs get quite well paid in Australia, don't they? I mean, they get yeah. paid well here as well. But I think from people I've known in Australia, the cash in hand there is is better, is a lot better than here. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it, it's I've got quite a few friends who do laboring and, and trade jobs. And, you know, I think there, I think this, I think there is, there is still similar issues here as there is in London. But I, I had a mate who um, worked in London for a time as a, um, as a plasterer just last year, actually. And he just couldn't get, he just, he just couldn't get by with the amount of money that, I mean, the amount, the amount of money to live in London and then the amount of money he was getting paid as a, laborer who was just like like no one can do this yeah i feel for the people who i grew up in the suburbs so i so i kind of knew where could be cheap you know and lots Mm. of people don't know the i guess they're little tricks aren't they you know knowing knowing the little areas of town where it's cheap rent but also transport's okay yeah that's it you know and and i'm sure people would have the same issues living in melbourne you know it's there'd be the same issues here but i think there's a minimum wage here and it's not that bad. And um, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's, it's the most livable city in the world or something. Do you have tipping culture in bars? Nah, man. Fuck. I hate that. I hate that about America. What's with that? That means people working behind the bars get paid well. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes if they're tipped. Well. And it's only a dollar, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like if anything, that culture will be benefiting the employers because I mean I mean of course it is because then that, then there's a part of their staff's income is in these tips which aren't taxed so they so right you know the, but I think a lot of those tips go directly to the the people serving you though yeah people I mean at least people I know you know they they don't show it to their bosses yeah I mean. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm dodgy on that, and I hate, and I hate having to do it as well as a punter. Did, have you, have you been there and like, have you had experiences where you've under tipped? I don't think I've ever been called out on it, right? But I certainly have forgotten. Yeah, fuck. Um, and if, if I've remembered, then try and tip double next time. But I mean, for me, once I, once I like, once I'm in the bar, you know, pretty hard to leave. Sometimes, you know, I'll be there for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be paying enough you know <laughs> yeah that's it that's it i mean you, you know like it obviously it works for them so um right it's the thing but no nah, we don't have that here i mean i mean people do tip but only it, it it's not it's not 
it's not expected as part of the right you know right what other jobs did you had you had then in the uh your your bands before press club were were they kind of big you know were they were you touring quite a lot were you on the road a lot um I, i have done some i had done some touring before press club press club's been sort of my main the biggest band i've been in up to date um but you know i played i played in like this latin band Columbia, right. it's they do like Colombian, like kind of like reggae, that sort of stuff. That's that's another side of my playing. You know, I do kind of like um, pretty good reggae drummer. Uh, Sweet. You know, as a kid, as a kid growing up, you know, yeah. that was what I was yeah. into, like ska and it's punk, ska and punk, reggae. Yeah, hell you know? yeah. So friends are rom. Yeah, exactly. Well, friends are rom of sort of skate punk, but right. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're like um, they're like sort of like Blink or something, um, right. pop punk. Scar is huge. There's a band H Block 101. If you want to, if you want to check out a cool, cool Melbourne, cool Melbourne, uh, like classic punk Scar band, they were awesome. Hell yeah. Um, and but th- these these guys, we, we we toured with, um, you know, the band The Cat Empire. No, I don't. Yeah, they're they're, they're this like sort of similar kind of thing, like a world uh, music band out of Melbourne. So I did a, I did a tour with them, and I did I did a couple of other things around Australia. But um, what was that like touring in a kind of world music band? It was wild, man. Like there's so many of us, who, you know. Like with with Press Club, there's just four of us, and mm. it's so easy, you know. You just you just go and hire a car, and and you can go anywhere. But like there was like at one point there was like eleven people in this band. You know, there's like a horn section and like backing singers and a percussionist and all this shit. Great. And, and you were um, playing bars? Yeah, yeah, playing bars. You know, we did um, did a couple of, like, bigger shows, supporting other, like, Colombian acts that had come to town. And, of course, this Cat Empire tour was pretty big. We did, like, we did like Horden Pavilion in, in Sydney, which is, like, 5,000 people or something. Wow. Um, yeah, that was huge. Holy shit. That was huge. Um, Pressure on you, keeping it together. Oh yeah, man. That, that, that vibe, like, you know, I, like I feel like I, I've played a few shows like that, but that board Horton Pavilion show, maybe it was because it was my first like big, big, like, you know, what would you call that? Like not a, not a rain. I mean, like a, like, you know, that big 5,000 people, like when it's like concert, a, it's not, concert. not a gig anymore. That's a concert. Nah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like you get out there and like, you go and sit behind the drums and like, you just see like blackness, really. You go like, fuck, like what's going on out there? And like, then you just hear the, and you're like, Oh fuck, that's all people. Like I can't even see the back of the room. There's just all people everywhere. Um, that was a moment actually. That was a, that was a, that, that's a sort of, that's a moment you never forget. Like the first time you go like, fuck, like, like that's 5,000 people. Um, and I can't imagine what it'd be like to be playing at like fucking Wembley. Imagine that. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's a different feeling, or if it's just the same feeling. You know, you like whether it's the five thousand people or a hundred thousand people. You go, yeah, that's that's too many people to count. <laughs> you know, like it just, you just reach a certain point. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You know, that's a lot. That's a big gig. It's like money. You know, like yeah. forty thousand pounds or a hundred. I mean, obviously that's the big jump there, but I don't know. Forty to eighty thousand pounds is like, yeah. I don't know, man. I take both. Yeah, or it's like <laughs> if you had like if you had like, it's like like do you have you want five million dollars or five billion dollars? And you go, well, <laughs> fuck, man. Like either would be I'll good. Take the five million, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't care. They they, they both sound really good. You know, they, they, <laughs> yeah. they both sort me out. And it, you always kind of maintained maintain being able to be like you know live well and eat well for example and, and pay rent over the years yeah yeah i have i have i mean okay all right let's 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 go through some of my um some of my jobs i'll, I'll skip through to some to some ones that we might have a bit of a chat about um up until recently and you know i might end up going back there as well i've been working at a whiskey distillery nice and that's been that's been that's been really cool man like that's one of those jobs where the people were good, the pay was good, and I liked what I was doing. You know, I had like a connection to what I was doing. Like mm. I was making this top shelf whiskey 
you know, well, I wasn't making it. I shouldn't say that. I'm not, I'm not a distiller. I, um, I was like filling, I was part of the production line, you know, mm. expensive stuff. Oh yeah. 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 It's this stuff. Um, Starwood, Starwood whiskey. All right. Um, yeah. Expensive stuff. Like in Australia, it's like over, over a hundred dollars for a bottle. Um, oh, wow. I think it's even more, I think when, if you go to like the U S it's like, it's like almost $200 for a bottle. Fuck. And but it was so cool, man. Like such a such a good vibe to the place. And um, you know, I just sit there with my my headphone like my Bluetooth headphones in and just like filling up these barrels and like um you know, just just listening to music, listening to podcasts, and days would just go by like a like a you know like nothing and I, that was sort of the, one of the first times i was like you know if this music thing doesn't work out i could do this you know? so when you're filling up the barrels how does that work are you are you grabbing like you get, the, the tube get, of the funnel man you get they put the spirit into like twenty thousand liter tankers you know you you like tankers like maybe like three or four people tall and mm you know, around maybe, you know, two or three people lying down is like the, um, the radius or, or the, yeah. the, the diameter. Di- diameter. Um, and then, so there's these big metal tankers and then you attach a big hose to it with a nozzle on the end, like, and the nozzle's like as big as your leg. And then you just like, <laughs> you, 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 you wash all these barrels and then you just shove the things in the nozzle in and you just blast it. And it's probably going at like, maybe like <laughs> 10 liters a second. It's like blasting wow. out of this hose. Like, <laughs> and you know, you stand there and it takes, you know, to fill like a 300 liter barrel, it takes about like a minute and a half or something like that. Wow. That's yeah. heavy. That's like, that's a heavy fucking barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can sort of move them, like you can kind of move them around when they're not full. But once mm. they're full, you need a forklift. And it's like they go on these, they go on these like, um, uh, like holders, right? Um, so you can stack them. And if you kind of, if the barrel's like not quite aligned properly before you fill it up, then you're fucked. Because now you've got like this, you know, these barrels, you can't move them at all. And you got to like try and like, like, you know, stack them on top of each other. And then like you're stacking them like, like these 300 liter barrels and you're stacking them like to the roof of a warehouse. And like if one of them on the bottom is like wonky, then the whole stack kind of just right. like tilts to the right. And you stand yeah. there going, like, oh, fuck, man. Like, this is- <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> have you seen any uh seen any accidents with that uh n- not with one of those tipping but like yeah there's been a couple of close calls stuff falling off trucks and stuff i think that's that, that's just like that's what that's what it's working normal. in a yeah just working in a warehouse is like that there's always just that thing of like every once in a while a little thing will happen and everyone goes fuck like someone maybe could have died just then that's the one see that's the one thing i think that i couldn't deal with working in a warehouse is like that constant thing in the back of your mind where like fuck i'm working with these big machines and this big stuff you know big crates whatever it is you're working with and like fuck you know like i could die one of these things could kill me you know 100 percent. and you hear about it like you know you, you hear about people losing arms and and stuff that's scary shit yeah dude it's yeah, that's the one, and, and like I'm not, I'm not a particularly like careful or like dexterous person. So yeah. if someone's gonna die, it's probably gonna be me. You know what I mean? If if out of the three, out of the out of the, you know, if there's three people working in a warehouse and I'm one of them, I I reckon I got odds on me to be the one to get hurt. <laughs> you know what but, I mean? I mean, that's maybe that's why it's like it's quite those the traditionally those jobs are fairly well paid, right? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if anything's worth that though. For you as a drummer or you know as a musician, it's pretty. That's that's a risk, you know, it's heavy. The thing that you love. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you chop off a finger or something. Like this job is right. not worth fucking not being able to play drums for. That's the only. That's the only issue about <laughs> made, that. Maybe question it now. Maybe question <laughs> it back to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I will if, if, yeah, you know, 
watch this space. We'll see what happens. And any other jobs that have that have like had that impact on the way that you you know the way that you see things or the way you see yourself? Yeah, I mean, you know, the first like we're we'll talking about jobs that you hate earlier, you know, and I've and I've always done a bit of teaching, you know, like teaching um, instrumental music to like one on one lessons with kids, and what I learned after doing that for years, you know, like I think I taught maybe I taught in primary schools for like three or four years. And what I learned was that I hated it from the very first second I started, you know, I hate, I hated working with and being responsible for little kids. Like, like I'm pretty good with kids, you know, like, like, you know, we, we, we get along, but you know, there's like that, um, you know, like a primary school teacher, because I've met a lot of primary school teachers working in primary schools and, um, you know, they all have this thing where it's like that they they love that. I mean, hopefully some of them do have this thing where they love kids and like seeing them develop and like working working with them on this, you know, really easy shit. But, you know, for them it's hard. And, you know, you get to see them, you know, develop over time. And I just don't have that. I don't have that instinct in me of like, you know, trying to get them to, you know, you know, being proud of them for being able to do these things in my head. I'm just like, fuck, like I can, I can, I can already do this stuff. And I, I, I just don't have the patience to try and help other people get there. I think it's easier. I've done a little bit of teaching with like adults and like older kids and it's easier with them. You know, I think they just pick things up faster. Mm. So you can sort of, you can sort of direct them in a particular direction if they want to be, you know, if they want to be playing a particular song or doing a particular thing with music. Um, yeah. But if with they little know kids, what song they want to learn as a cover or. Yeah, exactly. Like little kids, you go like, Oh, what's, what's your favorite song? They go, I don't know. Well, it requires a lot of patience and I think it's okay to, I mean, I think it's okay to, to not have patience. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's human. Yeah. And and you know, some some and some people are better at at things than others. You know, mm-hmm. and some people have a have a passion for things that I don't, and that's great. That's that's yeah. perfect because you know that's not something I want to do. And you know that you know you've had that experience. Like you take that as a positive thing. You know, you, you yeah, that you know that you don't really want to do that again. That's that's cool. That's yeah. good. And having worked in those places for you know for four years or however long I, I, I spent teaching kids gave me the insight to when I went to that warehouse job a few months ago, I realized, uh, nah, this is giving me that same feeling. I don't, I'm not doing this again. I know that feeling. Yeah. You know, I know that feeling of being like, nah, this isn't, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. But that's interesting. You know, it's, it's just, it's what it is, you know, hopefully now, I'll be able to find a good job. Are you pretty open about, you know, what things you're going to do next cash in hand? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I've spent a lot of, I've, I've worked in some, uh, in some libraries. Cool. Um, and I've done some study in that area as well. And, you know, I love that work, you know, it's not dangerous, like working in a warehouse, you don't have to deal with, you don't, you don't have to like deal with like classrooms with the kids, you know, you just kind of, stack shelves and help people with printers and yeah you know you know help help people access the internet and shit you know that's that's i think that's i think that's the kind of thing i want for the future you know low low risk low pressure <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like so when i um this is diverting a little bit but when um when i got out of high school you know like i um being a musician i i went and started working in pubs and um, when I moved to North Mel- uh sorry, I lived in West Melbourne for a little bit, just next to the city. And I um, went around to all the pubs in the area and gave out my gave out my resumes. And this one dude was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah come in and do like a, a, a trial shift on on Saturday." I was like, "All right." So I rock up on Saturday, like six p.m. or something. And he was like, yeah, this is what you do. Da, da, da. He took me through the place like 10, 15 minutes. He's like, all right, see you later. And the place was empty. I was like, I was like, oh, like 
are you not staying? He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, this is my night off. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. And so he just put me, and so I just went and sat behind the bar, right? And no one came in for the, for the, for the rest of the shift. I was like, fuck, you know? And so, and he'd said, you know, just take the money out of the, you know, take the money out of it was like cash in hand out of the till when you're done. So I took the money out of the till, I locked up and I went home. And I kept working at this place for like two years. It's called um, Jawa Bar. And nobody ever came in. And no when customers. I say, when I say nobody ever came in, I mean, it, it, it was, some people, people came in like off the street and like had drinks, but like there was no like regulars. There was no right. like, um, there was not a lot of like walk-in crowd. It was in a weird part of the city. And so, you know, I just worked in this, I was just working in this pub for ages with, with nobody there. You know, I'd go, I'd go entire shifts, like eight <laughs> hours with nobody coming in. But you're getting paid. That's not bad, man. That's what I'm saying, man. Like low, that was a low <laughs> job. responsibility job, man. That was like yeah. low risk, yeah. low responsibility. I, I, I read so many books and just, oh yeah, and just, and, and just, and just chilled at this bar. Um, you know, it's like that, that, that's, that sort of thing really gives you a, um, like an appreciation for just hanging out on your own. Did that, did that get to a point? Like, did you, did you leave there because it got just too, too easy? No, man, this is how I left. <laughs> like I was driving somewhere. I was driving. I think I was driving to another job that I was working at the same time. I think I was teaching at the same time. And I was driving to the school and I got a text from the owner. Like I'd worked there for like two years by this point, like Friday and Saturday night every week for like two years. And I got a text from the owner that said, bar closed like that just two words bar closed and i was like what the fuck so i pulled over and i texted her back like like what forever and she's like yep and then that was it <laughs> it's a weird joint man it was a weird operation well, that we're running and so like get to the point mate <laughs> yeah and then I, I eventually i went over there she had like a um like a closing down thing and i was like what the fuck happened and she's like well you know nobody ever came in and we couldn't pay rent so they changed the locks on me you know i think she broke in wow. to try and and had like one last night illegally to try and sell off all the stock and then and then Amazing. that was it that place i don't know what that place is now i think it's like a like a jewelry store or something oh man no hang on let me tell you one more story so i was working at this bar uh, jawa bar no one no one ever went to and someone came in right it was like a big dude like maybe like he's maybe like seven foot tall he's huge uh right but he came in a few times and he said to me one time you know we, we got along he said to me one time hey man do you like um do you like history and i was like yeah i like i like history and he's like you know like he was, knew i was a musician he was like do you want to come and um work for this guy that I work at doing like medieval recreations in schools. And so I was like, yeah, sure. And the dude gave me a ring. Uh, he gave this guy my number and he gave me a ring. And he's like, yeah, come down to this school like tomorrow or something. Went down there and the dude like, you know, we went down to this school, found what I assumed was the medieval recreation crew in like their fucking pantaloons and shit and they like they like handed me like the the garb you know the 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 pointy shoes and like the pantaloons and stuff and you know go and get changed in the toilet and shit and then i just spent you know again i worked with these guys for like a year or two you know getting up at like five in the morning to get to these schools sometimes you know well out of melbourne like doing like like helping out with like uh like like sword fighting like re reenactments, yeah, man. Like that was like an educational, <laughs> educational things in schools, where that you know the 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 medieval crew comes in and like um, runs like workshops on like different aspects of medieval life, and so I like learned all this shit about uh, and you know was 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 helping these people present these things on like sword fighting. And like um, medieval music, like like I'd, I'd like teach these kids to do like these medieval dances, and like uh, you know wow. like you know like all like like joining hands and like you know dancing around the room and shit. 
it was so funny, man. It was so funny. You learn a lot yourself? Yeah, heaps, heaps. I know way, I know he, I've got a, a really surprisingly good understanding of what medieval life was like. <laughs> That's excellent. Have you seen that film, um, Role Models? Yeah, man. Yeah, it was like that. It was, well, no, nah, it wasn't quite like that. But the, these people were into that shit. That stuff is pretty crazy, man. Have you ever seen that shit in, in real life? Never, never. I, I used to live in a place where where you'd get people dress up and, and walk around like that. But okay. I haven't seen like the reenactment thing, man. you know, the acting. And like the actual fighting that they do. They call it, they call it LARPing, <laughs> live, live action role play. Man, like uh, one time we were like, we were going past Princess Park in Melbourne and we saw him doing it. And like the first thing I saw was like this guy like throwing a spear, like 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 fucking hard as and it hitting someone in the back. Like fuck they take oh, it. Oh man, seriously, it wasn't like a pool noodle. It was like it was like an actual like kind of heavy I think, I think they got like foam ends to them or something. And like it's like a it's like an honesty system and a point system. Like, you know, you if you get if you get hit with the back with a spear, then it's it's time to like go and sit on the bench. Oh man, I love that. The honesty yeah. system. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's got to be one of the best one of the best jobs on here, Frank. Yeah. Yeah, I I'd, I'd be able to talk about it more, but you know, we might have to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, I mean th- I mean thanks so much for coming on though. I mean, what's the next what are the next few months for you looking like? Man, we're just writing music. Um as soon as we get back together, we might be able to we, we might it might take us like maybe two months or so to get the songs together and to get it all ready to go and record. So hopefully we'll be recording by the end of the year, but I reckon that's real hopeful. And that's the third, the third album. Third album, hopefully, unless we break up before then. Do you know what it's going to sort of, do you, do you have like a sound in mind? Have you got some references? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've had this time off now and, and, um, we've been talking and thinking a lot about what it is we want to be going for with the songwriting and, and the sound on this album. And I think, you know, we we've got this, we've got this thing down where, you know, we, we, we've got like the, the fast, loud screaming punk thing. We, we got that down on lock. So we're trying to add some more dynamics into the music. Yeah. Yeah. Um at this point just in the songwriting stage, you know, try and really get to the heart of songs and 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 you know, instead of just like bashing it out and um you know, do it balls to the wall like we've been doing it in the past. Maybe we we're, we're we're trying to thinking we we're, we're we're thinking of, you know, maybe trying to add some shades of darkness and and dynamic to the whole thing. Um, Great. I don't know how it's going to go. We might end up just releasing another Balls of the Wall punk album, but we're going to try and shift up our um, color palette a little bit. Even those those small shifts, you can you can really um, like they do they do make such a difference, you know, on a record. Yeah, you know, and and um, sometimes you end up defining those changes and 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 record new records from you know one or two songs just one or two songs that you go fuck like that's a real departure and is really cool you know um but we'll see we'll see how it goes i'm 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 really liking at the moment just writing awesome Have, have you got a name for it the record um no not at all not as yet i mean we came up with the the first album we i wanted to call Fuck, what did I want to call it? Uh, songs to sing by music to drum to or some shit like that. And um, it's always been an ongoing joke. So the working title at the moment is songs to sing by music to drum to. And so if it does end up getting named that, you heard it here first. But I doubt it will. <laughs> All right, Frank, thank you so much. It's been great to chat. Yeah, you too, Giles. Awesome, man. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue-arse fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate Every bleeding minute I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.